and based, of course, on Acts 20, 22, our theme verse and theme for the year. And uh, that's a great song. Thank you so much. Open your Bibles back up with me if you can. John chapter number 7 tonight. John chapter 7, looking again at our text from this morning as we continue the message that we began this morning. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And uh, just open up there. I'm going to read it and jump right back into the message. Verse number 38. John 7. Verse 38. Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The next verse explains that he's speaking of the Holy Ghost. This spake he of the Holy Ghost. You and I are to be a continual river of the Spirit of God, the living God, working through us. And uh, that's where we're going to arrive at the end of the message tonight. We began this morning talking about the work of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, to us or for us, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us. And uh, tonight, I want to just say just one brief thought about that and then uh, on to the next thought of His work in us. Heavenly Father, please, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, use me tonight. Without you, we can do nothing. And so uh, we're completely dependent upon you, Father. Again, I claim by faith, Luke 11, 13, I ask you, please, to fill me and use me tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. We said this morning that the Holy Spirit's ministry, number one, is to indwell us. And once he indwells us upon salvation, he will never leave us and never forsake us. We said, second of all, that he comes to comfort us. How many of you, I won't ask for a testimony, but how many can say in all sincerity, Pastor, I know without a shadow of a doubt that there are some seasons in my life, some days and moments in my life where I know that it was supernatural that God himself reached down and comforted me and ministered to my hurting soul. And I know without a doubt that I've experienced that in my life. Hallelujah for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We say it, and it's a little bit uh, cliche, but we say it, and it has deep meaning. What do people do that don't know the Lord Jesus when they suffer great loss? I know many of them do. Many of them uh, uh, lose their minds. Many of them go off the deep end. Many of them delve into sin and uh, drugs and alcohol and illicit behavior and, 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 and worse. And, uh, but hallelujah, hallelujah, we don't have to, amen. We don't have to, amen. We don't have to. I like what Les Rolf used to say. One of the pills we have down here at, at the Roll-Off Homes is the gospel. Amen, amen. And uh, hey, listen, uh, 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 what we need, what we need more than we need uh, uh, is something that the medical world or uh, some psychiatrists give it. What we need is the Holy Spirit. The Comforter, He works, uh, uh, ministers to us, and He teaches us. The Bible told us this in John 14 and John 16. He's our divine teacher. He's our divine teacher. Sit down and read your Bible. Say, Holy Spirit, help me now. Open my eyes. And people say, I don't understand. Don't worry about what you don't understand. Worry about what you do understand. <laughs> Amen? Like kindergarten class, remember that? He teaches us. He takes us where we are, and He'll teach us. And if we'll stay in class... We'll grow and we'll, we'll learn more. And we learn that he, uh, that he reminds us. Number four, he reminds us. This is his ministry to us. He said, Jesus said this. He said, when I'm gone, the comforter will remind you of the things that I've taught you. You know, sometimes you experience that in soul winning. Uh, and sometimes we think, well, I, I've got to have all the verses memorized. I've got to know exactly what to say. I reminded our soul winners yesterday. I think we had 52 or 4, something like that, soul winners. In the meeting yesterday, and not that doesn't include the other sowing times throughout the week. Just the meeting yesterday, and uh, and uh, I reminded them that the God has chosen the weak things, the foolish things, to confound the wise. God doesn't need our eloquence; He needs our obedience. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't strive to learn more about the Word and how to be an effective communicator and an effective sower. But the bottom line is, God just needs some people to be obedient and open our mouths. And one of the things he does, he, he, as, we're, as we're witnessing, he'll remind us. And this probably has happened to you if you've, if you've attempted uh, at any length of time to be a witness for Christ. But you'll be in a conversation and all of a sudden something will come to mind that you had forgotten you learned somewhere. And some will come to mind. You heard it in a sermon. You read it in a Bible. You learned it in a Sunday school class. You listened to the radio. And God showed you something. And the Holy Spirit brought it just to mind at just the right time. You're like, wow. And you, maybe you said, Shazam. And uh, uh, no, you probably said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, what was that? The Holy Spirit. 
There's the Holy Spirit. That's his job. That's what he does. He ministers to us and reminds us of truth. How many of you say, Pastor, I wish I could remember better than I remember. I can't remember. Somebody said, what did you preach last week? Let's move on to something else. How many of you say, yeah, I don't remember. I don't retain like I, like I wish I, re- I could retain. Anybody can empathize me in that regard? All right. Well, guess what? Part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of the things the Lord's already taught us. Oh, that's good. All right. We get excited about that right there. Amen. He's our guide. He's our God. You see my stubborn God this morning. Oh, man, a lie. He wanted to keep running off without me. But God doesn't do that. That was a terrible God this morning. No, uh, no. Uh, we had no prep time, no prompting. But anyway, the God, he had to stop, didn't he? He had to stop. Why? Because I stopped. And the God stays with you. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible, is called our God. And he guides us into all truth. And sometimes we say, we, 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 think, we say well, God's not, God's not leading me. God's not, the, the Spirit's doing his job. I can promise you this. The Spirit wants to take you somewhere. He wants to take you, but promise you stop tied your shoe. You stop smelling the roses. <laughs> or whatever reason. And we say, well, the Holy Spirit's not leading me. No, no, it's not that He's not willing to lead, that He's a guide and He's going to stay with you. And, and as you move, as He moves and you move with Him, He'll continue to move. Amen. And then lastly, I want to say this. Take your Bibles and turn now with me to Romans chapter 8. Give you one more thought in his ministry to us tonight. Romans chapter 8. And this is just one of the sweetest things in all the Bible. When you think about the implications of, uh, of this particular ministry of the Holy Spirit. We start in verse number 26. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 26. Where the Bible reads, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know what God is saying here? We have living in us a divine intercessor, someone that will help us pray, someone that will help us know how to pray, someone that will help us even when we do not know how to verbalize the longings of our soul who can go in on our behalf to the Father. He's within us and he helps us to pray. Amen. I don't know of any area of, of my life in the Christian life, and perhaps maybe you feel the same way, where we feel any more adequate, inadequate than our prayer lives. And if there's any room for growth in our Christian life, there's no room in our Christian, no area of our Christian life where there's more room to grow than our prayer lives. And sometimes we let our inadequacies keep us from even trying to pray. You say, I don't know, I'm not in no position to pray. I don't even know what to pray for. Why should I pray? Hey, pray! Why? Because you got a divine helper. You have an intercessor that lives within you who knows the needs of your heart and life. And we'll help you. So I don't even know how to say it. He, he knows. He acknowledges that. And the Holy Spirit was in. I said, Father, here's what he's trying to say. <laughs> here's what he's trying to say. And oh, he helps us. And he ministers to us and, uh, and, uh, uh, in, as, as an intercessor. Now I want you to consider three areas where the Holy Spirit works in us. The, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to us so that... He can work in us so that he can work in us. Go with me back now, if you would, to John 16, where we were a little while this morning. Go back to John 16. We read over this quickly, but we didn't linger. And tonight, I want to show you, not only does he minister to us, but he ministers in us. He works in in us, within. And the first of those errors in John 16, verse number 8, and when he has come, Speaking of this comforter, Jesus said, I've got to go. It's necessary. It's expedient. I've got to go so the comforter will come. But when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That word uh, reprove is convince or convict. We use the word convict. There's the synonym for that word. He will reprove the world of sin. He will convince or convict the world of sin. Folks, <clears throat> I have seen the Holy Spirit convict folks and they fight it and they fight it and they fight it. I have watched over the years um, uh, 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 
folks literally grab hold of the seat in front of them as we're standing there, the invitation, and grab hold of the seat and until their, walk, their knuckles uh, turn white. And uh, I have watched uh, folks uh, 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 push back against the Holy Spirit. I remember one particular, I think about one invitation in particular, and uh, it's an elderly lady. And uh, in the service, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd given a, a message, and she just sat there like this, just glaring at me. Just glaring at me. But I, I promised my mother-in-law I'd never tell who she was when she did that. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not kidding. And, uh, and uh, can I tell you something? Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts. And that's, that's, that's uncomfortable. That's uncomfortable. That's His work in us. The Holy Spirit is working in us to convince us, to convict us. Now, when that happens, when, that, when He begins to work in us, and convict us, we've got a choice. We, how are we going to respond? Let me take you on a little journey through scriptures as, uh, as to what, what, what happens when the Holy Spirit convicts us. Um, uh, uh, i tell you what, uh, turn, to, uh, turn to Matthew 12. Turn to Matthew 12. Let me deal with what we often call the unpardonable sin. So the Holy Spirit comes and He convicts us. And... Sometimes uh, you uh, perhaps are familiar with that term, the unpardonable sin. I've heard sometimes people uh, say falsely, the unpardonable sin is, is, is to take your own life. That's built on the faulty assumption that somehow you can do something to affect your own salvation because uh, uh, if you commit a particular sin, you don't have time to repent before you die. It's impossible to repent so you couldn't get saved. That's a false doctrine. Salvation is by faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Jesus, listen, the Bible tells the book of Hebrews, if his, what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago is not sufficient to save us from all of our sins, then you have to go back to the cross a second time. And if you had to go back to the cross a second time, what are we to think that it would be sufficient that time that wasn't sufficient the first time? Either it was sufficient or not. Did Jesus Christ die for all of our sins, yes or no? Yes. Now, if you sin, should you ask God to forgive you? Should you repent of that sin? Of course. Is your salvation resting on you keeping short sin accounts? Or is your salvation resting on the shed blood and finished work of Jesus Christ? It's on Him. Amen. And by the way, if your salvation in your mind and heart is resting on you keeping short sin accounts, you need to get born again. I said you need to get born again. (laughs) Being born again is when you exhaust all hope in your own efforts and your good intentions and you say, I believe Jesus paid it all. Amen. And he died and rose for my justification. And I want to trust what he did for me. Now, look at Matthew now. And uh, we're in verse 22. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then was wrought unto him one possessed with a devil. Blind and dumb. Couldn't see. Couldn't speak. And he healed him. Insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw instantly. This one who could not speak, his tongue was loosed. Who could not see, now he can see. Verse 23, and all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? Maybe this is the one. When they say son of David, they knew the Messiah was coming through the lineage of David. But they said, This guy, he must, he, he must be the Messiah. Good night. Have you seen a notable miracle like that? And verse number 24, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. That's, that's faulty logic, which he points out here in a moment. And notice verse 25. This is significant to the conversation. And Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus knew their thoughts. And said unto them, Every king who divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? He's pointing out their faulty reasoning. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. That's proof that, God, uh, that I am of God. And uh, at verse uh, 29, Or else, how can one enter in a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. He's drawn a line in the sand. Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but... The blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But 
Whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now, I've heard a lot of people say this, that the, uh, the, uh, the uh, unpardonable sin uh, or blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when you ascribe to the devil some work of God. Now, I think there's some merit to that. Jesus is pointing that out. But, but, but we're talking about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Look what he says back up again in verse number 25. And Jesus knew their thoughts. So the sin of the Pharisees is not on what they said. It's what was going on on the inside. It's what was happening in their mind and in their hearts. Then we drop down to verse number 32. Whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. Verse 31, he called that the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. So speaking against the Holy Ghost is blasphemy. You get that? Verse 31, 32, speaking against the Holy Ghost. That's what he describes as blasphemy. And whatever this blasphemy was, the Bible says it happened up in verse number 25. It happened in their thought process. It happened in their mind and heart. Now follow me here. John 6, 44 says, no man can come to the Father except, uh, uh, no man can come except the Father draw him. Now how does God, how does the Father draw us to himself? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's how he draws us. He sent the Holy Spirit to reprove the world, sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts and draws us unto the Father. So here's what happens. The Father draws us to himself by the Spirit. And when he does, we have a choice. When the Holy Spirit of God, okay, let's put it in the context of an unsaved person. Here's a lost person. And he's convicted of his sin and of his lost condition. And the Holy Spirit is drawing him to the Father. He has a choice. He will either say yes to Christ or he will say no. When we say no, the Bible says in Genesis 6-3, my spirit will not always strive with man. When we say no and then say no and then say no and then say no and we know not how merciful and gracious God might be and how many opportunities he might give us, but one day, one day, he will draw us no more. He will draw us no more. You may have heard uh, uh, in 1960, J.D. Brogdon, is, you can look it up and you can all listen to it. J.D. Brogdon gives the account of the Turkey Creek Revival. It happened in the mountains of western North Carolina in 1960. Uh, um, unbelievable. Phenomenal. How many of you have heard that before? Nobody heard that? Oh, my. Okay. A couple of you. The Turkey Creek Revival, Turkey Creek Baptist Church, right on the stream up in western North Carolina, 1960. Auditorium seat, a few hundred people. And the Spirit of God moved in, and mighty, powerful conviction came to start with some, uh, some uh, 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 teen revivals on Friday night or Saturday night, I think it was Saturday night maybe, and uh, just getting some teens together and preaching, and the kids were praying, and, and they were excited, and they were soul winning, and they were going to their schools and winning souls to Christ, and that thing caught fire, and the Holy Ghost came down. And so those unusual manifestations of God's power, you can learn about from that, from that recording. One of the things that happened is God would literally... Uh, the Spirit of God would so convict people in the the, the auditorium was packed. There were there were hundreds of people in this uh, auditorium. See about three hundred. There'd be hundreds of people the, standing in the baptistry the, on the steps on the platform in the baptistry, packed with people. Every inch of the room. You couldn't move. Invitation time. You couldn't move. You just found somebody's. Uh, you would under conviction, and somebody would squeeze through the crowd, talk to them, and there were many more people outside the building than in the building. And God, the Holy Ghost, would come upon some of those folks in such a powerful way. They literally paralyzed them. They couldn't move. They're so under such conviction, they couldn't move. And some folks would stand there gripped by the power of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit for an hour or more without being able to move. And one or two things would happen. Either they would finally melt down and surrender to the Holy Spirit and weeping and crying, say, I want to be saved. Or suddenly... The, 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 the conviction would lift and the person would walk out and leave not to be bothered again by the Spirit. If I've heard a testimony before, I think that's the closest testimony that I've ever heard of, of Genesis when he said, my Spirit won't always strive with man. 
And God said, I'm, for whatever reason, he gave special attention to that little spot on planet earth and poured out his spirit. And with that kind of a manifestation of the spirit, he said in so many words, and this is my interpretation, if you can resist the spirit in an atmosphere like this, then bless God, I won't bother you anymore. And perhaps those folks crossed the line into what you and I would know as the impartable sin. So here it is. The impartable sin is a complete and final rejection of Christ so definite and blasphemous that it drives away the Holy Spirit forever. So complete and final rejection, so blasphemous against the drawing, the wooing of the Holy Spirit that it drives him away forever. And God said, I will not always strive with man. Now thank God, my dear friend, you said, Pastor, I'm afraid I might have committed the the, the unpardonable sin. You haven't. How do you know? Because you're worried about it. If you, if you had, you wouldn't be worried about it. You wouldn't care a thing in the world about it. The desire to be saved, the drawing of the Holy Spirit, that's, that's what invites us to Christ. And by the way, by the way, this, they say, well, I'm not ready to get saved. I'm going to get saved when I get ready. Let me tell you something. You better come when the Spirit's drawing you. No man can come to the Father except to be drawn. You don't just walk down and say, I think I'm ready to get saved today. Let me tell you something. You, you get an invitation to the White House and, uh, uh, and say, uh, uh, come to the White House next Tuesday at 2 o'clock. You better show up next Tuesday at 2 o'clock if you want to go to the White House. That's a little debatable in the times we're living. But anyway, but if you want to go to the White House, you better go Tuesday on 2 o'clock. Don't show up at Thursday at 3 and say, well, I couldn't make it on Tuesday at 2. I thought I'd come on Thursday at 3. I wasn't quite ready. They go, I'm sorry, sir, you missed your opportunity. You understand that? And so no man can come to the Father except the Spirit drawn. So what happens? The Holy Spirit works in us with conviction. And what do we do? Some resist. Acts 7.51 said they resisted the Holy Ghost. Stephen was preaching and they resisted. And, uh, and, uh, and to a point where you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit and cross a line where he will not convict you anymore. In Acts chapter number 5, the Bible says of Ananias and Sapphira that they lied to the Holy Ghost. And even tempted the Holy Ghost. Uh, 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 lied and tempted the Holy Ghost. Uh, 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 almost like daring, daring, daring. Uh, that, that's a foolish thing to do. The Bible says in uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 19, uh, and those verses preceding it, 16, 17, 18, 19, and everything give thanks, rejoice evermore. Uh, uh, and then he says, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. Let me say this to God's people. You be careful about throwing cold water on something that God is doing. And sometimes people say, Pastor, you hear about it. What do you think about that? I'm not sure really. <laughs> I'll be quite frank with you. I'm very careful to speak about other people's experiences with God. Now, I got a Bible, and I know Paul went to heaven, and he said when he went to heaven, what he saw, he says, unlawful for a man to speak about so I'll be quite frank with you. Everybody's making a movie and books and all this stuff. That I died and went to heaven and saw this stuff. Uh, Paul didn't do that, but I don't know. Maybe you're more spiritual than Paul. I don't know. But I'll say this. I'll say this. When the Holy Spirit moves and when the Holy Spirit works, you and I have to respond. And he said this. He said, don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Hey, I've been in services before where the Spirit of God was moving. I remember years ago reading about a revival that happened on the campus of Liberty University many, many years ago. On the campus of Liberty University, it lasted several days. All day and all night, the students stayed in the chapel. The power of God fell down. Souls were being saved. Souls were being saved in the early days of, of the college. Uh, uh, and uh, anyway, and, 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 and one person got up. As I read, one person stood up in that, I mean, they had gone, I don't know how many hours, it was several days around the clock, people getting saved and crying out to God and getting right and testifying about what God's doing. And one person stood up in the flesh to testify and quenched the Spirit. Just killed it. And little by little, people started leaving. And basically, that was when the meeting was shut down. Now, you be, you be real careful about mocking somebody who gets up here to sing a special 
or play that piano over there or sing a song. So we go, well, they don't sing. They, they, they sing off tune. Let me tell you something. They might be singing off tune, but we sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. And God's more concerned about your heart being filled with gratitude and praise. Not just, I'm, I'm for singing with skill. I'm for, I'm for singing your best. I'm for all that. But we're supposed to sing for Him. Amen. You be careful about smirking at somebody who's singing out and trying to glorify God and maybe they don't have, they can't carry a tune so well. Hey, listen, I guarantee you that'll bring a lot more praise and honor and glory to God than some snooty person with a nose up in the air singing everything just right, getting up and looking down their nose at someone else. Hey, listen, don't quench the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Somebody, somebody says amen, somebody... Somebody says, you know... The Bible said, let all the people say amen. amen. Let all the people say, all the congregation say amen. It's all over your Bible. I won't go back and read it. I've read it for you many, many times before. Let me tell you something, my dear friend. Uh, don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Uh, the Bible said in Isaiah 63, God's people vexed the Spirit. It means to annoy, frustrated the Spirit. God was trying to work in, the, in His people's heart. And they vexed Him. They vexed Him. And they frustrated Him. The Bible said you can resist the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4. Turn with me and on this last uh, thought here on this uh, 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 of our response to conviction. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4. I ended the message this morning with this thought about grieving the Holy Spirit of God. And I want you to get the idea captured in your mind of the Spirit of God. Grieving is a strong word. We use that word grief when we talk about we lose someone we love and we're hurting deeply. We're mourning grieving a deep loss and the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Now, we want Him to be active in our lives. But if He's in us, now if you're saved, He's in us, but if He's grieved, uh, He's not going to be active. Do you understand that concept? Ephesians chapter 4, look at it. Verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Look at verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication, that's dirty talk. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good, that which is beneficial to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Do you notice in this text context, here's grief not the Holy Spirit before it, and behind it are sins of the tongue, sins of the mouth. Did you understand that? Did you get that? How do we grieve the Spirit? Primarily with our mouth. Gossip, complaining, griping, dirty talk. And we grieve the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to minister to us. He wants to uh, 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 comfort us and teach us and remind us and guide us and help us as we pray. And that's His ministry uh, to us. And, and, and when, he, when, we, when He comes and convicts us and we respond, we resist Him or we vex Him, then we push Him away and we, we grieve Him. We grieve Him with our tongues, with our mouths. I said it this morning to begin the message. God's people are tired, exhausted. And I'm talking about God's servants. And one of the number one reasons why we're tired and exhausted is because we are trying to do spirit work in the power of the flesh. And Paul said, I know that in me, this is the apostle Paul now, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And to try to do spirit work in the flesh is exhausting. It's no, there's no joy in it. There's no reward in it. It is just mechanical. And I thank God for character. And I thank God for a sense of duty, which would keep somebody in their classroom and coming to their spot in the choir and keep on driving that bus. But I'm just telling you, you're going to wear yourself out until you get back on your face and say, God, forgive me. I want to be filled with your spirit again. You've grieved him with corrupt communication. Uh, 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 you're, you're going to get worn out. If, if that which is coming out of your mouth is not good and not edifying and does not minister grace, then you're going to be in the flesh and get worn out. What is grace? That may minister grace unto the hearers. My words are to minister grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is treating somebody better than they deserve. Listen to the context here. Let no 
corrupt communication. We're talking about our talk. Proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying. It's beneficial. It's uplifting. And it ministers grace. What does it mean? It means you don't talk about others the way they talk about you. That's what it means. It means you talk better about others than they talk about you. That's what grace is. Our speech should minister grace to the hearers. Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 31, how do we do it? Bitterness. Bitterness. The Holy Spirit's not going to get involved in that Sunday school lesson if you're all tied up in knots against somebody. You're on your own, and that's going to wear you slap out. Bitterness. Wrath. That's an old, that's old anger. Wrath is old anger. Somebody be it's a grudge, old grudge. Anger, that's temper. Clamor, that word that means uproar. Uh, 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 throwing a fit, that's what that is. And evil speaking, that's, that's a speech that hurts another. Be put away from you with all malice. Malice is behavior intended to harm another's reputation, embarrass, or upset them. Let me say it again. Malice is behavior intended to harm another person's reputation, uh, embarrass them, or upset them. How many times do we say something to get a jab in or to try to make somebody look foolish in an attempt to make ourselves look wise or smart? And what have we done? Grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 32, be ye kind. Amen. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us. Now when he convicts us, what should we do? Yield. (laughs) Yield. Yield. Let him have the right of way. When he comes to us and says, hey, hey, knock that off. Don't push back. Don't resist. Don't vex him. Yield. Oh, you're right. You're right. Agree with him. That's his work in us. Now go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5. You're in Ephesians 4 there. Turn the page. This is maybe the most familiar verse in all the scripture concerning this matter of the Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What is God's work in us to convict us, number one? Number two, to fill us. To fill us. Now let me, let me explain what this is. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not you get more and more of the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, you received all of the Holy Spirit that you'll ever get. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is not more of the Holy Spirit being stuffed in us. It is removing the restrictions of the Spirit's movement in our lives. We're all tied up like this. We've got them compartmentalized right here. And he wants to fill us. He wants full control of us. And so the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not getting more of him. It's him getting more of us. He's yielding every aspect of our lives to him. I was reading a book uh, Mike Allison wrote back way back in 1984. A great book. And in that book is an illustration. And a preacher said he sat all of his daughters down. He said, girls, he said, have you fully surrendered your lives to the Lord? They said, yes, Dad, we have. He said, girls, have you surrendered in the area of your dress, how you dress. None of them said, yes. (laughs) He said, then we have the wrong idea about being fully surrendered to the Lord. Everybody with me? Fully surrendered means fully surrendered. Amen. And so I've illustrated this way many times before. Let me get a microphone if I could. If I could get a, a microphone. And somebody, I need a piano player in the back. I need a piano player in the back room. Miss Hampton, you want to do that for me? All right. Uh, you, uh, you'll be able to hear me. I don't turn that on just yet, okay? You're going back there with your wife, if you would. And no smooching while you're back there. But when you get back there, I want you to start playing something on the piano, okay? Just have her start playing something on the piano, okay? Now, uh, the moment you get saved, God the Spirit comes to live inside of you. Is that right? And he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Is that right? Okay, so uh, there's a piano in this building, and it's back there in the choir ready room. And uh, and uh, in in uh, in a moment, there will be music in this building. How many of you can hear the music? All right, some of you can hear the music. Some of you are half deaf, like the rest of us. 
So wait a minute. Uh, now wait a minute. The music, is the music in the building, yes or no? Is the music filling the building, yes or no? No. But we want the building to be filled with the music. So what do we need to do? I need a, a, a doorkeeper here. Brother Matt, come on up. Uh, I need a doorkeeper. So what are we going to do? Let's start yielding the doors to the music. Can you hear it now? Let's yield another door. There. No one run up there and yield the other door. He's holding that one open. There's three doors between us and that piano. Are they, are they open? Oh, they're all open. Okay, that's fine. Go back. We don't need you. <laughs> now, we're going to do one more thing. We're going to yield the speakers to the music. Now we're going to yield the volume button to, to the speakers. Now, now then, the music is filling this space. You understand that? Thank you, Mrs. Hamilton. Thank you very much. We're filled now. Thank you, Brother Matt. Now, hey, do you understand that? When God said, be filled with the Spirit, He's not talking about us. God the Spirit came to live inside of you. He said, He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So when you got saved, you got as much of the Holy Spirit as you'll ever get. But being filled with the Spirit is when you begin to invite Him into other areas of your life. Thank God He saved you. But it's when you start giving your, you start giving your wallet to Him. It, let's, uh, come in to, to my finances. You can come in that room there. And, and, and how about right over here? How about my, how about my uh, viewing habits? Let's, let's invite you over here to the entertainment room. And let's go over here uh, uh, in this room over here, my relationship, my friendships. And let's go over here. Uh, 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 let's go in here to my music. Let me invite you over here, Holy Spirit. And let me over in my, here's my wardrobe. Here's my closet. Let me, hey, listen. It's the Holy Spirit getting more of us. That's the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so his work in us is, number one, to convict us. And then, number two, to fill us. To fill us. Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians, if you would. And uh, 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 Galatians and uh, chapter uh, Galatians five. Galatians five, please. This too is familiar with you, for, uh, uh, to you. Galatians five twenty two. Look at the near the end of Galatians five. Here's the here's the third thing. The final thing God wants to do in us. Number one, He wants to convict us. That's an internal work. Convict us of sin. And then. He wants to fill us. He wants to take full control of every area of our lives. Then, look at this. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Oh, you know what God wants to do, number three? He wants to bear His fruit in our lives. He wants such full control of us. He wants to be able to convict us of sin when there's something awry and we yield. And He wants to fill us, take full control of every area of our lives which requires us to yield to Him. Why? So He can then bear His fruit in our lives. So that through us, God's fruit can be seen. The love of Christ seen in us. The joy of the Holy Ghost in us. The peace that passes all human understanding seen in us. A patience that is supernatural. A gentleness that is like of God. A goodness and a faith and an evenness. A a meekness and a self-control that can be described only as supernatural. Oh, listen, God wants to bear His fruit in our lives. He said, Pastor, am I filled with the Holy Ghost? Question, are you filled with love? I can't stand so-and-so. Then you're not filled. Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with joy? I'm a little grouchy. Then you're not filled. Uh, 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 Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you at peace? No, really, I'm stressed out and agitated. Then you're not filled. 
Um, let's go past this one quickly. Uh, am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you patient? Let's move on. Uh, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Finally, finally. The ministry of the Holy Spirit to us to indwell, comfort, teach, remind, guide, and intercede in us to convict, to fill, to bear fruit, and through us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here we are. The Spirit's ministry to us, in us, and finally through us. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses. Folks, listen to me. The primary purpose of God's power in the lives of His people is to make us an effective witness for Jesus Christ. To be able to go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't convict anyone. The Holy Spirit convicts. We don't draw anyone. The Holy Spirit draws. But we are His mouthpiece. We are His vessel. And let me tell you something. God needs us to go forth in obedience and out of a sense of duty and character. But he also needs us to go forth filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why he empowers us. The Spirit that comes to us, the Holy Ghost has come upon us so we can be witnesses. So we can be witnesses. Listen, the charismatics have it all upside down and backwards. Listen, yes, God does miracles. Yes, God heals. I've seen him heal. I have a record in my office of dozens of times I put the date down. Someone comes to me anointed and I put the date down. I put the request down. And no, God doesn't heal everybody, but God heals many and God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask. And by the way, listen, why aren't more people healed? Because not more people aren't asking. That's why. <laughs> not because we ask not. I know God can heal and I know God can do miracles and I've seen Him do it and I thank Him for it. But the, the, but the pleading uh, for the Holy Spirit and His fullness and power in our lives is so primarily so we can be witnesses. That's His heartbeat. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And He wants some believers who are hungry to be Spirit-filled. Why? So we can be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. Yes, I want to be filled with love. Yes, I want to be filled with joy. Yes, I want to have peace. Yes, I want to be more patient. Yes, I want to be more even tempered. Yes, I want to be more self-controlled, temperate. Yes, all those fruits. I want those fruits of the Spirit in my life. But the purpose of those fruits of the Spirit is not so just so we can have a better life. It's so we can be a more effective witness. Amen. It's so we can be a more effective witness. And so God's work to us, in us, and through us. When He empowers us to witness, it is His work through us. Without turning to it, just for sake of time, let me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, His work is to comfort. We read that already. When that river of living water flows from our bellies, as John 7 mentions, then God does His work through us. I remember a New Year's Day years ago now, and it just happened Saturday was fell on New Year's Day, and I was on Saturday out visiting, knocking doors, and witnessing like always, and it seemed like everybody all of Ashburn was drinking. <laughs> and I walked up on the house, walked up one guy, and he was in his garage, and I, w- I walked up in his driveway, hey man, and he, and he had, his, had his beer bottle down here, and oh man, there's the preacher here, so he took his hat off and he stuck his hat over his beer bottle. His hat was like levitating, you know. <laughs> I remember one time, uh, Quiznos subs used to be over there in the shopping center right where Walmart is. And I remember one time, there's a couple of ladies that were in our church that got out of church. And, and, and I don't ever reprove people individually. I just, anyway, I, I can't say I, I don't ever do that. But that's not my practice. So what, where you been? That's not my practice. Anyway, but the Holy Spirit does that. And, I, I, and so I, 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 I got a car. I, I could see through the glass. And I noticed those two ladies, they were in line waiting to get their sandwich order. And they got out of line. They started scurrying. And I was walking up to the, to the sandwich shop. And about the time I got to the door, they were, they were trying to get out the door. 
they had got out of line, so they didn't have to face me. And they admitted it right away. They said, oh, we were trying to escape. I said, you don't need to escape. Uh, they said, well, we haven't been in church. I said, I know, we miss you. We miss you. I said, we felt bad. Then do something about it. Amen. I didn't go out to make them feel bad, but the Holy Spirit can make you real, real uncomfortable if you're a born-again Christian. His work to us to comfort. I mentioned a little bit of that this morning. Oh, there's nothing any more beautiful to me than knowing that God has helped you to comfort someone. He helps us in Ephesians 5. We won't look, look at these. Uh, to praise and to love all the fruits of the Spirit. That's His work through us. He empowers us. Now, I'm going to give you four statements. Write these down and we'll be done, I promise. Give me about ten minutes on each statement. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Breathe in, breathe out. It went long enough for you to write them down. I, want you, I, I do want you to write these down. Four things that we need to do. Number one, we need to receive the Holy Spirit. I haven't taught this in this message, but let me tell you what I mean. In Acts chapter 19, verse number 2, there are some folks who have already believed because of the preaching of John the Baptist, but had not yet heard about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And God's servants came to them and expounded God's word to these men. And these men said, we want to do that. And they were filled and God began to use and do miracles through them. Gave them a supernatural ability to, to witness. And, and, and what, 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 what is about? He, here's what, here was the question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They were already believers. Now, wait a minute. You said, well, Pastor, I, I, thought, I, thought we got, I thought the Holy Spirit came to live inside just as soon as we got saved. He does. But listen to me very carefully. I'm absolutely convinced that many a believer gets saved, trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, rejoices that their names in the book of life and on their way to heaven, and live without any thought whatsoever of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We literally ignore Him. He is the divine person, third person of the Trinity. God's Holy Spirit lives in us. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's working in us. He's, he's ministering to us. He's mi- tried to minister through us. And we act like we don't even know he exists. And you know what a lot of God's people need to do? First thing, get on our faces and say, God, forgive me. Holy Spirit, you lived in me. I won't ever talk to you. I will never acknowledge you. I'll never yield to you. I think for many as believers, it's because we've grieved them. We've grieved them. And like I said, this morning's off in the corner somewhere. And you know what a lot of God's people need to do? Just need to come and kneel down and say, Holy Spirit, you live in me. Thank you for living in me. And I'm going to pay attention to you. It's, it's like having a house guest at your house that you don't ever look at, you don't ever make eye contact with, you don't ever speak to him, you don't ever acknowledge him. And we as God's people need to acknowledge him and welcome him and include him and seek him and make him a part of every moment of every day. He already lives inside of us and he needs to be welcomed to be received. Number two, number one, receive the Holy Spirit. Number two, yield to the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Holy Spirit. When He convicts, confess. When He leads, follow. When He teaches, obey. Whatever His work in your heart and your life, yield to Him. Don't push back. Don't resist. If you get under conviction, good night. Do something about it. Amen? Why? He's trying to do some good stuff in your life. Don't push back against Him. Number three, desire the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Desire the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Hey, do you want to be filled with love, joy, peace, long-suffering? Do you wish you were more patient? Your spouse does. <laughs> they told me. No. Do you wish your faith was stronger? Desire the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And lastly... Number four, plead for the power of the Holy Spirit. Plead for the power of the Holy Spirit. As I prayed this morning and this evening, beginning the message, 
I took as a prayer promise that which I've taken many, so many, many hundreds of times. If ye then being evil, Luke eleven thirteen. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? That is in the chapter 11 where the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. In verse 2 and 3 and 4, He teaches them to pray. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Eight words, prayer for provision. In verse 4, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that's indebted to us. Sixteen words, prayer for forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Prayer for deliverance, eleven words. And then verses 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13, he tells a story about a man who needs bread for a friend, and he has no bread, and so he goes to his neighbor and he said, i got a friend that's hungry, and I have nothing to give him. Please give me some bread for my friend. And the, and the neighbor says, go back. It's the middle of the night. Leave me alone. And so he starts to go back home, and he says, I can't do it. i got to go back. And he goes to his neighbor and says, please, i got a friend, and he needs bread, and i got to have some bread. I need something to give my friend. He's hungry. And he's expecting me to help him. And I need something from you. And he says, leave me alone. And uh, and he goes, starts going back home. And he comes back. He says, I can't leave you alone. Please, I've got a friend. I can't bear the thought of not meeting the needs of my friend. Please give me bread. And the man said, because, not because he's his neighbor, not because he's his friend, but because he won't shut up. The Bible word is importunity because of his continual begging is what importunity means. The neighbor finally says, because you won't leave me alone, I'll give you bread to give your neighbor and to give your friend. And he gives the bread, he goes to the friend, he goes, here, let me meet your need. And then he says, in that context of that story, he says this, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Eight words on prayer for provision, 16 words on prayer for forgiveness, 11 words on prayer for deliverance, and 244 words illustrating the need for us to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. When you stand in front of that class, there's some needy souls that need to be fed. When you get on that bus, there's some children that need to be fed. They've been stuffed to the gills all week long with filth from the phones and the tablets and the television and the public classrooms. And they come to Sunday school hungry. They need something from God. And if I get up in my own flesh, I'll have no joy. I won't like it. I'll get tired of it. And they don't need what I can give them. They need what only God can give them. And may we learn to plead. I need something. i got to have something. Oh, my children need something I can't give them. Oh, my spouse needs something I can't give them. Oh, my bus kids need something I can't give them. And plead, plead, plead for the Holy Spirit. Spirit's power in your life. Are you hungry for it? Are you weary of doing it on your own? Let us all fall on our face and say, Oh God, forgive me. Holy Spirit, you've been my house guest and I've ignored you. Forgive me. You're welcome here. How can I help? What do you need? Yield to him. He says, yeah, this is a bad smell in this closet over here. Can we go work on that closet? Yes, sir. Yield to him. Don't resist him. Don't resist him. Accept him. Yield to him. Desire his fruit. And plead for his power. Let's stand. Father, make us hungry for the fullness of